0: Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vedder podcast. This is episode number 74. I'm going to keep today's intro pretty short. My guest today is Callum Thompson. I met Callum on the platform for the Candy to Ella train ride in Sri Lanka. We get into all that in this episode, but we hit it off right away. He's a photographer. He's traveled extensively. We shared travel stories for hours on the train and then uh, we linked up later on in uh, Sigiriya in Sri Lanka. So he has a whole lot of cool stuff to share and he had some cool goals and things like that that he wanted to get accomplished while he was traveling in Sri Lanka and I found that pretty admirable. So I wanted to help him share his story with all of you and so he came on the podcast today. If you can and want to support this podcast in any way, you can do so on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim You can find the link for that in the show notes for this episode. That is a subscription-based service in which you can give monthly 50 cents, $1, $5, $100, and that will keep the content coming as I am traveling and I am jobless and I am homeless, but I will keep doing this regardless. You can also find links in the show notes for Callum's social media where you can see his photography and and follow along with his travels and things like that. And uh, yeah, all right, that's it for this one, episode 74. Enjoy it, folks. that like um, how interesting you are to most people.
1: I guess sometimes when you're in your own bubble, you you don't really reflect on yourself that much. And it's only when you kind of talk to someone in a conversation that they seem interested in something and you realize that you've done something extraordinary or kind of out of the blue that is actually phenomenal to someone else. But to you, you sometimes live in the moment and don't take it in as much as what you probably should.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent, man. I mean, like, so obviously, like, you know, I was, feeling, <laughs> I was feeling like really down, not not down, like depressed down, but just like worn out and not that like social media and things like that are the, the source of happiness, but like people from home reaching out to me saying like, oh man, like, where are you at now? Like, what are you doing? Oh, that's crazy. And it's like, oh yeah, like even my bad days are so much more exciting than cubicle life.
1: For and, sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: For a lot of people, man, like what you're doing, what I'm doing with a lot of people that we meet, we're doing the thing that people think about and want to be doing.
1: It's funny because when you're away traveling and you have those bad days, those bad moments, whether it be a canceled flight, whether it be a visa not accepted, or simply just a travel plan that doesn't quite go to plan. Um, maybe you're hungry and you just can't find a restaurant that you want to eat at you know or you're missing your favourite food or a family friend or something and at that time it can seem like it's so depressing like you're so far from home you can feel alone and and you're in a real hole for a temporary time period whether it be half an hour or whether it be a day and um, I think like you just said then that it's important to Think what you'd be doing when you're back at home. And actually, your bad day is is way better than someone's good day back at home because all they're ever doing is thinking and dreaming of what you're doing at that time period, whether it may be just catching a bus A to B across the country.
0: And the funny thing is, too, like before I took this, like I've talked about this over and over in doing podcast episodes, but it's like taking the initial plunge and like doing the thing you want to do. The hardest thing is just like doing it. And really, it's quite easy it's just sort of having the confidence to step out of the life that you already know
1: i remember last year before i went traveling for 9 months i remember i uh, i just told myself i was doing it there was no two ways about it it wasn't like a oh, can i do it might i do it it was i'm i'm doing this and i'm not satisfied until i come back having reached this goal and having kind of completed what i felt on my head was doable And all the preparation and and the pre-planning with where I wanted to go, how I wanted to do it, kind of my targets, my goals, objectives, kind of the bucket list that everyone dreams of, those things that I had in my mind, whether it be a yacht across the Whitsunday Islands in Australia, or whether it be a skydive or a bungee jump, everything that I had listed down in my head, Like I wasn't going to be satisfied until I'd achieved those things. Mm. And I think you need you need to you like in your life you can't hold back you need to achieve anything that you feel like you want to any urge you have do it yeah don't hold back from it ever
0: so i'm going to intro this as as you've heard the very long intros for some of these episodes um but maybe just because there will be people who are listening that don't know who you are maybe we'll just give them like a real quick bio like where you're from what you're doing and like how did you get involved in
1: traveling yeah sounds great cool so um I'm uh, Callum Thompson and I'm from a small town called Bodmin in Cornwall, which is a county within England uh, the United Kingdom. I've um, met Tim luckily whilst I'm away in uh, Sri Lanka, travelling for one month um I kind of got the bug for travelling when i was I was twenty one um in my kind of eighteen 19, 20s. i I just did the usual holidays with with the boys. You're drunk and silly holidays where you don't really appreciate where you are, or what you're doing. You're just um, having fun with your friends. And then when it came to 21, I went away on a stag do to Budapest, which was kind of a new, a new experience for me, a new city. Um, you know, different kind of cash that I wasn't aware of, and and currency, and the way they did things. And I went there in the winter. and I remember it being so cold. And although I was away with again a bunch of, of lads. I remember thinking like, wow, like, is, is all of Europe like this? Is the rest mm. of Europe like this? Like, What am I missing out on here? Why am I doing just, just these silly little holidays away on the summer, you know? And this was in the January and I remember literally I got home and I said straight away, I was like, I've got, I've got to do more. I've got to see more of Europe and literally within three weeks I booked a flight to Poland. Awesome. That was that. I was on my way to Poland. Within three weeks I went to Krakow um, and I was so lucky to, to go to the to the concentration camps there and witness and learn and I think having seen something so devastating but yet phenomenal history to learn and live by that inspired me even more to keep travelling you know I thought that obviously it depressed me obviously it was very touching I came back to the hotel that night and I remember literally feeling an emotional mess that I didn't even want to go out for dinner that night but the trip on reflection when I came home I just remember thinking like like, I've learned something more than what I'd learned in school. Yeah. I felt it. I didn't just see it. I felt it. I was there. know, I felt present. And then that kind of connected me again, I guess, with, with history.
0: One thing that I love, and I've talked about this over and over, and you and I have been talking about this, but like one of the best things is, is meeting people. And it's funny because like the way that we met, we were going to take the, the seven hour train from. Candy to, from Ella to Candy, you were getting off at Nor- Norelia. Yes, Norelia. Norelia. Yeah. And so we're standing on the platform. It's one of those things where it's like, there's three different classes. You don't really know where to be standing. Like it's super early in the morning. We kind of looked at each other and gave each other like the nod.
1: Yes, <laughs> the, it's the <laughs> nod of approval. Like You're there with an off spray rucksack and your usual kind of traveler clothes, sticking out on your own solo, looking around kind of a little bit. Sheepish, a little bit unsure. The unknown, I think, is what it feels like, is when you're looking down the platform. You're like looking maybe for the, for the, someone else that's living in the same kind of moment that you are, looking for that same compatibility of, maybe just wanting to talk to someone. You know, maybe maybe you've been a couple of days where you've not bothered to communicate with someone, and you just want to reach out to someone and be like, "Hey, dude, where are you from? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what are you doing? Like, where are you heading?" Or or it could be anything. You know, and that's what happened. Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, it's like that, okay. We're doing the same thing. We're both by ourselves. And then from there, it's just like, hey, where are you going? You want to sit together? And like right away, like you, you've got camera equipment with you and I'm like, okay, sweet. Like this guy's a photographer. Um, So how did that sort of come about and fit into your, your traveling?
1: So I've I've kind of only recently picked up the camera and, and tried to, um, kind of put my expression through traveling through a camera through a lens which i think some people on instagram these days portray so well i mean when you're at home and you're feeling really down everyone's looking at those photos from new york or looking at those photos from from australia or i've just heard that jenny's come back from mexico or whatever And you look at something you think oh man i wish i could be doing that right now everyone pretty much seems to be thinking these kind of things whilst you're at home and i think for me, when I've been traveling over the last few years, the list has just kind of got bigger and bigger. Um, the first few years, I, I stupidly just used an iPhone, um, which is okay if that's what you, you, you've got and you've got accessible. That's fine. But um, I found that I was taking photos and I wasn't kind of storing them as a memory. It was only visually, myself. Mm. And then about a year ago, when I did my nine-month travels, I went away with an iPhone X, um, great for photos it was really good you know videos photos Um, and then halfway through the trip I bought a drone and the drone kind of served its purpose temporarily however I realized that I was moving at too much of a quick pace to even be taking footage and appreciating it so when I came back to England at the start of the year I actually sold my drone I probably will pick one up again in the future but I've learned that I need to slow my travels down a little bit more and be present and the way and the reason that I've done buying a camera now is to try and be a bit more present because before I felt like I was a travel like just a normal traveller where I'd turn up take a photo oh, I've seen that click click thank you very much off yeah. I go but now I feel like when I go somewhere and I've got my camera with me it's it's teaching me and, and making me get to a location and think like I might have seen a photo on instagram some inspiration or something or someone said something And I might look at something and think, I didn't even think about that perspective of this this view. And then I'll go hunting for it, I'll go looking around to see it from that angle. How did they get that shot? Like, What are they seeing? What's going through their minds to see it like that? And then that inspires me to take photos. And then through the photos, I think then that's creating a memory bank, not Mm. just in my head, but on social media to refer back to.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. I mean, you've experienced this, I've experienced this. Probably a lot of people who travel have experienced the like, you're going to do the cool thing, and it's just mobbed, full of people that just want to be there for like the
1: selfie. That's there.
0: Like we were talking a bit about Pinawala.
1: And Peru. Think about Peru with the conversation we had with Peru.
0: Right. So talk about that.
1: Um, we were saying about how Machu Picchu. At the minute, they there seems to be several rumours flying around online that maybe in a couple of years they may even close Machu Picchu, which is absolutely devastating considering it's one of the seven wonders of the world. And from what I've read resource-wise online, it's due to, to tourism basically taking over the place and the likes of the Chinese and the Japanese that can't read signs and don't pay attention, unfortunately, to um, kind of these warning signs where it says, please don't stand on this, et cetera. They are ignoring these signs and, and the ruins are becoming to the point that they're actually worried that, that it won't be kind of maintained. It's
0: funny, man, because um, I was a really big Bourdain fan And I think that he really propelled a lot of travel, and it's weird. And but if you're involved in if you're travel blogging or photography or whatever, um, like, are you also killing the thing that you love? Because like, yeah, you want to promote it and you want to stimulate local economies and you want people to go, but like, you don't want that thing to change or to be. Crushing
1: it at the same time. uh, Yeah, it's almost like a carbon footprint. I, mm. think, I think there's such a thing as being a traveller and I realise this now, the older I get now I mean I'm 25 now so I've only been travelling probably, properly, seriously for four years and even then it's not, you know, it's not constant, it's in and out of work, you know, I, I feel like going home to England is my monopoly pass and go, I come round to the start and I, I work, work, work and then I go round and do another lap again, you know, I'm in and out the country as much as possible um, but I think there is a way that as a tourist you can be more socially aware of how to be a more sustainable traveller. I mean, we've, we've noticed in Sri Lanka ourselves, plastic, mm-hmm. how terrible is plastic and water bottles in Sri Lanka? I mean, if I'd known this now, um, I read on it on blogs, but I didn't realize it was quite as bad as what it was. And if I'd known it then, I would have bought a refillable, reusable um, filtration kind of bottle that I would have been able to use here because the rubbish and the trash here is just absolutely disgusting.
0: There, there's no facilities for processing waste or for recycling. It's
1: bad. You're looking at the coast next to the railways, rubbish. You're yeah. looking at the mountains on, on the hikes, rubbish. Me and my friend that I met, uh, Nick from, from uh Holland, we, we actually did three hikes together whilst in Ella and um, we collected three whole complete full bin bags of rubbish and that's just three hikes within three days and you can bet your life a week later it'll probably be just as bad and, and that's one area, then you look at that within a country and then you times those countries by all these tourists and, and in this case it wasn't even tourists that are doing that, it's actually locals, locals don't even care about their own country so if they don't care about their own country, like you're fighting a no win battle almost
0: You know what's funny about that, man? Uh, So, you had told me that you picked up trash on that hike. Someone, we both sort of follow Jackson Groves. He's someone that's been on this podcast and he's got a campaign of like adventure bags. Go and and pick up the things uh, that you see in the places that you're visiting. And like, I was guilty of this too. Like, just just yesterday, I was walking the beach in Nagumbo and I'm complaining to myself how much garbage there is.
1: But you didn't pick it up.
0: And, but it didn't pick it up.
1: Exactly, and I've done the same the last week. I'll be a critic of myself and say I was really, really um, active to, to do it to start off with. And then the last few kind of days, I've all passed in the street and I've thought oh, I'm not on a hike. So, you know, if I'm in a town and if they're not doing it, then why should I do it? And it's hard because when you're traveling and you see it so much like that, you'd waste your whole day collecting it, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately... I'm here to visit it as much as everyone else is. But I guess the message is that even if you do just one bag, just one plastic carrier bag full, then if everyone did one bag a day, then maybe the world would be better. Maybe these waters wouldn't be polluted in Hawaii. Maybe they wouldn't be so bad in Indonesia and Bali where you've seen all these beach cleans now. People are finally starting to realize that we need to do something about this. Plastic is an issue.
0: Yeah, and like you said, with with having something that's refillable, Even in some places where you travel, like there might not be a water source where you can refill. And it's like you can't you just can't drink tap water. So it's it's a must. But it's a weird thing to think about yourself in like the ecosystem of a new place where it's like, yeah, like I'm the person that is consuming plastic and there's no facilities to process it when it's done. I feel
1: guilty. I mean, I've been in Shenan Canal three and a half weeks and you also twenty one days. So it's a good it's a good time period, and I'd average probably two to three bottles of water a day.
0: Yeah, you have to.
1: So then you're doing the maths, the basic maths there of 20 days, let's just say arguably three a day, a minimum, sometimes more if you're doing hikes. You do the maths, it's like 60 bottles, just just yeah. one person. And then you're doing that by every tourist, by every local. That is phenomenal. Yeah. The, the calculation is there. So when you're on the train coming out of Colombia and you go down the coast and you're like, wow, this place is like amazing, it's beautiful. And then you look down and you look at the waste and you think it is screwing this place up. It's yeah, really messing the country up, and I reckon in five or ten years there's going to be a massive issue here, and also other countries, it's not just Sri Lanka
0: well, like sort of on that note, one of the things that I thought was really cool was when we were on the train, like you were showing me a list of these are things I want to accomplish in the country, right? like we each had the areas we wanted to go to, but you also had some personal goals. so can you kind of like talk about that a little bit and talk about like the the mindset behind creating that list
1: so coming back from traveling for nine months I was in a very good mind frame when I returned home to England I was felt very fresh very stable I felt like I'd learned a lot about myself you know having seen things and spoken to people within the world it gives you a different perspective on everything um, and then within what six months of being home even though I'd gone away to places like Ukraine um, Malta uh, even Ireland I um, I kind of found myself within six months being back to that normal Western kind of person where money rules your brains, where um, kind of you think about cars or you think about what can I buy next or the clothes that you're wearing. Or I felt like I was becoming very um, materialistic again. And I realized that, th- that this had changed me from what I was when I returned back in January. So I was like, I need to go back to somewhere that, That I can appreciate my life and put things in perspective again I need to see something that's going to put things back you know in a good clear view for me Um, and that's why I chose Sri Lanka because I missed it last year which I really really regretted and coming back to Sri Lanka has done exactly what I wanted it to I, I wrote down a list with my friend um, that actually joined me initially for the first five days um, in Dubai and then also another five days in Sri Lanka um, and then he went home for me to go solo uh, but then um, the, the list kind of carried on so I wrote I think it was around six or seven bullet points the bullet points were um, off the top of my head um, be kind um, and try to at least help one person every day um, I wrote down to at least uh, achieve one bag of rubbish every hike, which I have done. Um, I initially aimed to do some kind of voluntary work, I haven't found Sri Lanka to be so easy to do this compared to some of the other countries, there are voluntary work um, kind of slots available within the country but not in something that I could have just fallen into easily, I think it's all stuff you have to prepare to come here to do you know. what else did I write down? I think you
0: had like give away something you possess to a local kid or yeah, a local so, person. So
1: out of my luggage, I actually I wrote down that I'd like to give away some of my personal stuff towards the end of my trip that I don't need that actually is still perfectly usable. But to us a westerner, I probably wouldn't take or use back in the UK to be honest with you, which sounds really snotty. Um, but if I can give away a towel, if I can give away a t-shirt. Or even something to a local here that they're gonna wear and they're gonna like it and they, they think it's cool because it's vans or whatever, then if it puts a smile on their face and it's serving a purpose and it's not being thrown away, then I guess it's recycling in another way. And it's also being kind to someone, you know? And I think this trip I've done exactly what I said I would do. I've I've done all six bullet points. Um there were a few others that aren't coming to head right now. But every day I've gone out of my way to to help someone to do something whether it be give them money which necessarily doesn't, isn't you know the dumb thing to do because obviously that makes us seem like we're above them and we're not at all they're just unfortunate in the currency exchange um, but I remember about a week ago just before I met you um, I went to the waterfall de la do you know how to pronounce that the, it's just outside Ella but the waterfall, me and a group of friends went there. Not, Ro- not Ravana Falls? No, the other one. Dear Luma? Okay, it's a little further out. Yeah, yeah the pronunciation might be not correct. But um, we went to this, this shop and we went at, at the shop and I see this child with a mother and the mother's telling her off and she's, she's really unhappy. Um, and I remember looking over and I thought, I can, if I can t- kind of turn that smile up, like, sorry, that frown kind of upside down almost, you know. And we all bought ice lollies and there were 20 rupees, which worked out to like, 8P, which is nothing. And I, I went over to the shop and I bought two ice lollies. Um, one for one of the kids and one for the other kid. And I went over there and uh, I smiled at the mother, kind of almost to get a nod of approval, I guess, if you like. Not to seem rude or undermining. And then I gave both children an ice lolly. And um, they both looked at me with hesitation. They took them, obviously. And instantly they had the rainbow lollies and they were smiling. And I know for that moment it might seem like a temporary happiness but to me that made me feel 10 times better. That made me feel so much better knowing that I've made, made, I don't know, almost made the day or maybe mm. made the hour or whatever. It made a difference at that time no matter how small it was.
0: Is this something that you think you'll continue to do in other places that you travel to post Sri Lanka?
1: Yeah, hundred percent, 100%. And I think many more travelers should be a lot more consciously aware of where they are I feel like many travellers go to places and they're so busy in their own bubble and their own mind they tell everyone that they're travelling to social media it looks like they're travelling but I don't think they're engaging with the people they're travelling around I feel like they're travelling with each other so like me and you just being in our own bubble or me and someone else that I've met from Canada or Mm. or from Spain I don't feel like people are engaging enough with the local community and I think that is where travelling lies, that is where really you are gaining the most social experiences, you're learning about the culture, you're learning about their living conditions. Why are they living like that? How are they living like that? How is the family coping? You know, I think the, the best experiences you're going to get are necessarily where you put yourself out there a little bit and go off the beaten track a little bit. Maybe maybe it could be a hike that, you, that isn't touristy and you go and do it. Or maybe you get a private taxi instead of a bus and that money that you give to that, that private taxi driver is supporting his family. There's a the flip side of that, that actually using fuel and it's not, you know, kind of, econ- like, for the economy, it's good. But, but on the same token, you're helping that man survive with his family.
0: It's really interesting because, so you and I had a conversation at dinner tonight, um, which makes me think that, like, I think some of that's hard for people. And what we were saying was, it, coming from a Western country, when you're in that Western country, your standard for like the bottom line of comfort is pretty high. And that bottom in the West might not be anywhere even close to this standard of comfort that you're going to have in a third world country or in a, in a country that's non-Western. And even, I mean, even for me, and uh, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe for you, like we stayed at a place in um, uh, Cigüeña, and it was <laughs> it was swarming with bugs and like yeah, like it's pretty uncomfortable to sit down to your meal and like flies are all over everything. Like it 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 can be tough to have to do the thing that locals are doing, um, but to me, and this is something we also said, like it just it gives you an appreciation for, it, I sort of won the lottery in terms of like the comfort lottery, at least in terms of like where you're born, like you have no control over that.
1: That's just and it luck makes of the draw.
0: all yeah. the difference in your life.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I feel with our accommodation in Siguria, in I think <laughs> um, that's actually your fault. I think we'll pin that on <laughs> you straight away while in the conversation.
0: It is my fault.
1: <laughs> I didn't listen. Um, but, I think that kind of showed to me um, how much I normally look for convenience. When I travel, I'm very selective. I don't just book the first thing, I do do my research. Many people say, like, oh, well, you're not just turning up to a country and going with the flow. Like, you should go with the flow. And I feel like if you do that, sometimes you might miss something. You might miss um, maybe an area to meet a family or a hike or something, a tourist attraction, or maybe not a tourist attraction. Um, you should have some flexibility to be able to move if you come across something that you feel like you should do. But it made me realise by you booking that hotel, I put myself out of my comfort zone because normally I know I'm the one that's in control. You know, Even when I travel with other people, I'm normally the person that's booking things, arranging things. So actually, you didn't know at the time and you still don't know until this conversation now, that actually for me to say yes to your accommodation for me was a big thing because I normally go with what I'm used to, what Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with and trust myself. And to, to take someone else's kind of opinion... And go with that, and hope that it's right, or it's up to your normal expectation, was hard. And yet, when we arrived, I I noticed instantly that the location was poor. The the location was way out from where kind of everything was, food or everything else. And for me, I was like, man, this sucks. Like,
0: yo, uh, I'm okay. So I'm really glad you said that because I think that this ties into something that we're sort of keep pointing at, and that like travel can be really ego dissolving because I think that uh, while in some ways you and I are, are both uh, we're different from each other, I think we're probably both pretty headstrong in the sense that like yeah I'm the same way and that I mean I told you its it's difficult for me to travel with some people because it's like I want to be doing the things that that I want to be doing um, and I think we were at a point where it was like a lot of things were frustrating like you know it's not a knock on the country, but systems don't always work. Uh, Actual things, like tangible things are often broken. And we were at a point where we were both kind of frustrated. Yeah, like (laughs) we tried to rent a motorbike and it's literally broken a minute into receiving it.
1: It was only 1.5 kilometers away, bear in mind.
0: Right, yeah. And then they're telling us, directions are wrong. Like things are very frustrating and we're two sort of like headstrong guys where it was like, if this keeps up, we might kill each other. Like, but like the, the ego dissolving. Part of it is tonight. Like we met up again after a couple of days, and we sit down to dinner, and we're both laughing about it. And like, hey man, like that definitely sucked, but like.
1: I think it's we're both cool. in a rut. That's, yeah. that's what it comes to. When 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 one person's in a rut and another person isn't, normally you can help each other out. But when you're both in a rut, I think it can kind of become a little bit toxic. Yeah. To, to the to the point where you both you're both feeling down, both a little bit depressed because something's hard. Maybe maybe you just haven't eaten right, and eating can make a massive difference on many people's moods, you know, fluctuations. And and food here is hard. It's not it's not that easy. I've eaten in worse places, but I've eaten in better. Um, and when you're not kind of Sleeping right, maybe because you're getting up for sunsets or, or staying up to sunsets or maybe it's hot and the aircon won't work at night and you can't find the remote. <laughs> oh. Maybe you can't find the remote, Tim. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what the issue is, is that, oh. that you're in your room at night and you can't find the aircon remote and your, your room buddy wakes up at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning flapping because he cannot find the aircon remote. And um, all these kind of circumstances, I think, built together I think we ended up in a situation where the food and the flies, the air con, the lack of sleep, the lack of food, um, the heat, um, everything all together, I think we both got to a point where we were feeling a little bit down and we couldn't bring each other up because we were both down. You need another person to be up to be able to bring you back up. Well, you need to sort yourself out and by us deciding to go separate ways for a couple of days, I headed down to Candy and you went to um, and then link, like you said, linking up two days later um, freshly Fresh mind, fresh food. Um, and then you sit and reflect on those couple of days, and you're like, man, like that was so bad. but at the same time, it was so brilliant. Like we've come out through the other side stronger. The hotel wasn't that bad. to be honest with you, it really wasn't that bad. But when you're in that mind frame, everything's bad,
0: yeah, we I'm sure probably a lot of these stories you don't want to tell, but we in one of the car rides we had together, like we were sharing stories about things that go like pretty wrong but afterwards looking back on it it's a it's a great story and a great memory and like that always sort of happens when you're traveling and those like kind of shitty moments help you to to learn man and to grow and to it's an experience
1: with my travels last year (laughs) i encountered at least one thing a month at least um when i was with my partner and um if it wasn't for her, I definitely would have lost the plot on occasions for sure because she kept me grounded every single time that there was something that went wrong or didn't quite go my way. You need an outlet. You need to kind of let like, you know, let blow. And she'd be the kind of person that would reassure me that nah, it's okay. It's going to be all right. You know, kind of breathe, have something to eat or whatever it might be. And then kind of carry on again. And um, yeah, like things go wrong. I've had canceled flights. I've had visas not accepted I went to Vietnam and got told that um, I was allowed to be there for the month and then when I went to get there they gave me a two week stamp and then I had to go to the head office in Vietnam and get this stamp and that stamp and then I had to pay 10 US dollars to stay there longer and it was a right you know right hassle and there's me all upset because I haven't got my official visa stamp and my passport I've only got an actual stamp instead of a paper one but (laughs) yeah yeah. and I've had things in Bali where I explained to you um, about a hotel which I felt personally wasn't up to standard and wasn't as listed compared to others, um, and uh, that caused massive drama for me, which then knocked on effect to me having, um, well, being in a bad mind frame, and I lost my my credit card in a cash point, which in a foreign country is never good. Um, I had issues in in New Zealand where. Um, I was in a camper van and I didn't see the the speed limit sign as it changed for a small village and I got pulled over by the local police and had to profusely apologise. And then, you know, I've had some amazing memories on the flip side too. You can't always look at the negatives. I feel like we're looking at the negatives a little bit um, too much here. Maybe let's transfer it to the positives. of The fact that when you come back, your mind frame's different, your outlook's different. I think this whole... um, typical conversation of uh, traveling changes you and, and I think some people back home now are starting to think like yeah whatever man like what are you talking about what a load of crap you know but seriously traveling can change you if you allow it to mm. if you have that open perspective if you have that open mind or you choose to engage with people or families or situations or um, just being aware your character building changes so much ma- like so so much your outlook will change. The way you treat family at home, friends at home, maybe your work ethic. When I got home, the way I looked at work, I loved work. I completely changed how I was working. I was I was unhappy before, and I went home and I loved it because I learned to appreciate what I've got compared to what I thought I didn't have. Mm. You know, and there's so many pros to travelling compared to cons. There are the hard times, but the pros definitely outweigh these stories you're talking about they definitely outweigh it and I've got some brilliant stories like being in India and and just to my head right now, being in a swimming pool in the middle of nowhere in Rajasthan and I'm with a tour guide and I remember it was thunder and lightning and I'm in a swimming pool and the swimming pool is nice and warm, the rain is freezing cold and I'm with the tour guide, all the girls and everyone else that was there didn't want to get in the pool and me and this big fat tour guide, we get in together and he's Indian and nodding his head in the pool like he does and he said, do you want a beer, brother? I was like, yeah, I want a beer. I want a beer. So we got some beers in and we're both there with a beer in our hands in this warm pool with the cold rain hitting our heads, looking up and out of nowhere, this storm opened up with this flashing lightning across the sky. And I remember thinking to myself now, like, closing my eyes thinking this this is a memory. This is like, this is a moment to, to treasure that, that little yeah. kind of memory bank we're talking about. And now I'm sat here still smiling over now and I hope that in 20, 30, 40 years I still reflect on this and go like, that was so sick at the time. That was amazing. Like what what a buzz.
0: On that note, and I'm glad you're taking it in this direction. When we were on the train um, in the direction of Candy from Ella, it was one of those things where like you're, you're going over mountain passes through tea fields, past like a, a few waterfalls and every like... Every minute or so, it's just like, dude, dude, this is beautiful. What? This oh is amazing. God. This is unbelievable. <laughs> um, so for me, that train ride was one of the coolest things I did here. And, and Ella set up in the mountains like a little cooler at night. Just absolutely beautiful. It was one of my favorite places here. Uh, but for you, what have been some of your best experiences in Sri Lanka so far?
1: Sri Lanka alone. Yeah, I feel like when you go to a country, it's really hard to listen to other people's opinions and sometimes even blogs that you read. Everyone's individual experience is going to be different. I came here with an expectation. Did it reach my expectation? It leveled with it. It didn't exceed it. Mm It didn't go beneath it. That's fair. It was where I kind of roughly thought it would be on the map. Um, A lot of travelers say, oh yeah, go here. Go there, check out this and it's really hard because maybe they've gone somewhere and they've got drunk with their friends and their personal experience was a sick time because they were drunk out of their head and you get there and you're a tourist and you want to go check out things and you're like what do I do? like where do I go? So when I came here I was like right I want to do this 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 I wrote down an itinerary um a little bit anal some people would say and um it worked out exactly how I wanted it to I followed followed the plan I deviated it from a little bit halfway through. You know, you get local advice from local people or other tourists or check this hostel, maybe add here or add there. Um, My favorite place in Sri Lanka period is Ella, which you've already referred back to. The cooking lesson there, um, the couple of hikes, the fact that I met Nick there was very uplifting. He was, again, a a like-minded kind of person, getting up at 4.45 for three days in a row to go for hikes. You can't convince everyone to do that. Yeah. You know, and going, taking photos of each other and just generally chatting about absolute rubbish to be honest with you and sometimes not even talking at all as well that, that shows when you're really comfortable with someone you know meeting some guy and saying to him you know about 9.30 in the evening like look I know I've just met you but tomorrow morning do you fancy getting up at 4.30 leaving at 4.45 collecting rubbish on this hike taking loads of photos and then coming back most people go Are you crazy Yeah, Are you crazy you know but we did it three days on the bounce were we tired yes was it worth it? Yes Do I stand by doing it again? 100% So Ella for me was was a highlight um, Arugan Bay was a little bit disappointed with, I think many people go there for the surfing and for the drinking um, Overall the transport, if you go on in Sri Lanka as a whole I, I've been saying to even the locals you know, kind of feedback um, The people uh, 95% lovely, want to talk to you want to help you, will smile at you a few people that won't, but that's Asia's curiosity. That's them looking at you, not understanding, or maybe just being unsure of them. Like some people are unsure of the, like them as well, kind mm-hmm. of. You know. Um, so the people are lovely. Um, the landscapes is beautiful. We, we you agreed?
0: Yeah, I, I think that the best features of traveling in Sri Lanka are is the landscape and the nature. It's
1: it's gorgeous. And the fact that you can get from cold to hot as well, that yeah. kind of breaks it up a little bit. That gives you that little bit of freedom to kind of go, right, I can breathe now. Yeah. And then you go back <laughs> to the heat again a little bit. You know, we are here in peak season right now between August and, and September, and that is peak heat for them. And even some of the locals here are struggling. I was talking to someone yesterday on the train, and he said, like, you know, this is, for us, this is hard. And I was thinking, I've been in hotter, but this isn't comfortable either. Yeah. You know, Um, so Sri Lanka as a whole, the people are great, the landscapes are great, the food is little and often would you say you get one place that's really good and then one place is a complete different standard.
0: There's that and there's just in terms of local food, like I enjoy curry, but it's, it's strange that there's like no diversity, like every place has the same curry yeah. and it's three meals a day of the same meal. And it's, that's a little chicken tough. on the
1: bone, the same kind of flavour curry. Yeah, very watery curry. It's not like India watery curry. Last year, last year India was very creamy. You know, tons of rice. Yeah, <laughs> and and here I feel like it's kind of volume of rice to fill yourself with one leg of a chicken, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and some watery kind of broken down curry. And this after a time period can become very draining. And, and you're happy to see your your Mars bars in in the shop or whatever else, or even your Western food that isn't of the same standard that you're used to, but it's food. So that can massively affect your mood. Um, so overall Sri Lanka has a lot of pros. Um, but again, as we've stated, the massive, massive negative is the rubbish. That is the negative um, of Sri Lanka. But the positives outweigh that at the minute.
0: Yeah, and, and that's something they'll have to figure out as because as we've talked about, tourism is only increasing, and so there's going to be more and more of that. so i, I, I you know I can't talk about how they get proper municipalities or something, but
1: well, it was um, funny because Neualia they actually were i was I was talking to a local there and they said that the government there is actually a completely differently really operated system. and neuralia I found zero rubbish, believe it really? Or not. Yeah, so it must be something to do with the local councils or the way that they, they run or operate or finance certain areas. And because it's like a national park area. There's those regions, I forget what they call them. Yeah, like yeah, like counties almost, like yeah. different kind of areas. And um, yeah, Nurelia was clean of rubbish. So it can be done because the locals were picking it up. But mm. everywhere else, Colombo, I mean, you saw Colombo, man. Like, Yeah, Colombo... Does it have much to offer in your opinion? It, Colombo was really tough,
0: especially, I mean, I, I think I talked about this a couple episodes back, but but coming from a place that, you know, a lot of places in Southeast Asia are easy in the sense that um, people want to help you and learn about you and talk to you and they're very curious and they want to show you their culture. And I'm not saying that, like, I can't paint all of Colombo with one brush, like, I'm not saying that doesn't exist there, but I didn't, have that in my experiences so i i just
1: did you connect because i did not i
0: did not connect at
1: all there was nothing there for me yeah it was an in and out location i arrived i saw what i needed to within 24 hours or less and i was literally like right let's get a train out of this place you know as soon as i could i documented my travels with my friend and i left on the train out of there and as soon as i was on that train going on the coast i felt like i can breathe like wow what a place like what, what even is that a place to live supposedly I mean
0: I had the exact same experience and yeah my, my first like real conversations in which I opened up with people and learned about them was was in the south um, was at the beaches and it's still been a little few and far between in terms of like relative to other countries that I've been to um, I mean it is low season but but even with locals like I, I haven't made a ton of connections here um, no, it's funny
1: isn't it because some places you go and we were talking about this earlier at food as well we were talking about how you can connect with people meet people and you end up having friends um all over the world i mean even now i've got one or two locals from sri lanka that follow me on instagram that i've met and, and spoke to and they helped me and give me advice from cycling hostel shout out um, is that uh, in candy yeah it was, it was in inuatuna actually down okay. on the coast, um, amazing place family run kind of hostel really nice people and the locals made that an experience for me they were absolutely brilliant um and they followed me on instagram and they've been messaging me okay very poor english but that's not the point <laughs> um i'm sure it's making their day even when i replied to them every now and then but i have connections all over the world now because of the various travels that i've done i've actually hooked back up with a lot of people that i actually met so that can be interesting. We've talked about meeting up again in a couple months, and yeah. reflection on that will make it interesting as well. If that, if we can make that, that hookup happen, um, I met someone in Australia last year, a guy called Jake, and um, he was in Sydney and he had a, a tour with um, with a company, very very popular company, Contiki, yeah, yeah, um, and they cancelled on him the day before. And he was stranded in Sydney with no idea what he was doing. At the end of his travels, he was kind of hoping to back off and relax for the rest of his travels. And I was there with, with Rihanna, my, my partner, and a few other friends that we were with at the time, Katie and Jordan. And um, it was August last year, I remember it very clearly. And he was literally panicking. He's like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And I was like, dude, I was like, we've just done the coast. I'll hook you up. And he was like, what? And I was like, I'll hook you up. I was like, what was your budget that you paid for Kentucky?" Because they're blatantly going to refund you. And we went to a place called Peter Pan's, which was like a, an agency over there. And it was the day of the Conor McGregor fight. Don't know if you remember that against the Floyd Mayweather fight last year. Okay, yeah, of course. Just just to pinpoint it exactly. It's like um, last
0: September ish.
1: Yeah. And um, we went to Peter Pan's and I sat down. I was like, right, Jake, you're going to do this, 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 and this. And he was like, what? And I was like, trust me, bro, you will not regret it. Like, you'll thank me. And he was like, it seems a lot, man. And I was like, trust me, it'll be within budget. Next minute, I hooked the guy up with with a complete tour down the coast on the overnight buses. I set up
0: What in the world is that? Is that fireworks?
1: No idea what that is.
0: Uh -uh.
1: How strange.
0: Yeah. Well Asia.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and uh, we turned up at this Peter Pan place and I hooked the guy up with a a sick itinerary that I'd kind of done in reverse next minute I'm on Instagram I'm seeing upload photos of him doing like the Jeep safaris I'm seeing him do Fraser Island um, and then he's doing skydives um, you know he went to the zoo Steve Owen zoo um, he went into the Whitsunday Islands like I hooked him up with a sick itinerary and it was kind of enjoyable for me watching him relive what I'd just done like yeah. six weeks previous to that and um, after he was like thank you so much man like you sorted me right out I like, proper appreciate it and um, dude, it's got to be fireworks
0: if it keeps going I'll pause this but I mean this is a real experience people <laughs>
1: The Anything is possible that? in Asia. That yeah. is a fact. This is like
0: literally like right outside the place too. And it's not a
1: holiday. No, it's not. It's not. So <laughs> yeah, so the point being with Jake is that um is that we we came back, he came back to London, I came back a few months later, stayed in touch on social media, and next thing you know, this April just gone, we we linked back up and we went to Malta on a holiday and spent five days together. Bear in mind that I've I've not seen the guy in between that kind of eight month period, barely spoke to him really other than a few messages online and we hooked up like we'd only seen each other yesterday Yeah, had an awesome five days together where we just connected and had an amazing adventure around Malta and then went our separate ways and we haven't spoke since that much and I'm sure we'll probably link up over the next few months and do something similar again. That shows you you can meet anyone and do anything.
0: That's a beautiful thing, man.
1: I'm sure you've had experiences too.
0: Yeah, many. I mean, listen, earlier tonight we were talking about so I'm going to Jakarta... And again, we're going to see someone who's actually been on this podcast twice, who I know quite well. And then it's like, where am I going to go? Well, I haven't been to Phu Quoc in Vietnam. Like, I could go back to Vietnam, see my friends there. And it sounds very strange to me to say, like, oh yeah, I've got friends that I've seen the last three years in Vietnam. Not in America. <laughs> right. But beautiful segue. When we were, um, when we were taking that one drive, like you told me. I believe it was Vietnam, but you told me a really cool story Yeah, yeah, about being in the north on a bike, and I think that would be a cool story to share for people, so would you mind retelling?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I remember we were in the the north of uh, Vietnam, me and a guy called Trevor, shout out again, he's uh, from America. There was actually a group of us that first originally rented bikes when we were in Ho Chi Minh, there was five of us, two guys from Holland, uh, Rihanna, my partner, me and Trevor, we did the whole of Vietnam on bikes, 3,800 kilometers on a bike. Whoa. Um, actually calculated all the fuel as well, just out of interest, not because it actually mattered, but it was 42 pounds worth of fuel in English-British pounds. So wow. So that's really cheap. Yeah, man. <laughs> Even with the the bike breaking down on expenses with, with chains and tires replacing, 12 pounds.
0: There's like... That's like two trips to the gas station in uh,
1: the US. £60 for a complete, you know, obviously it doesn't include the rental, but besides the point, so um, we went through the country all together and then we slowly started breaking off a little bit because everyone was heading different directions. Uh, We got to... um, Halfway through the country, me and Ree and Trevor decided to empty our gas tanks and put the train—sorry, uh, the bikes on the train—and slept overnight on this train. It was an overnight sleeper, and you could put your tra- your your bike in a crate. On no a train. way! Yeah, you could put it in a crate um, and then sleep on this overnight train, and then you'd wake up the next morning in Hanoi and take your motorcycle yeah. off the train, which was just completely rad. Like it was yeah. so—it was so one-off. And I remember us like picking up our bikes and having to push our bikes to the local petrol station because we weren't allowed to have gas in the tanks. So we're like with all our. Backpacks with these bikes pushing them oh. around. One of us had gained like a flat tire. And that was one of those days where you're like, oh man, like nothing's going to plan now. But yeah. at the same time, we're looking at each other like we're pushing bikes through Hanoi City here, bro. Like, what the hell is going on? You know, <laughs> Ree's carrying my bags, and we're pushing these bikes around and thinking, what the hell? But um, yeah, so the story that you'll get into. I was just trying to set the picture a little bit there. We got up to the north, which really is not that popular for tourists at the minute, it seems. Um, it's getting there. But um, there's a place called the, the High Leng Pass, I think it's called. a High Don, High, High Don Pass? Don, no, sorry, sorry, stand corrected. The Don Van Pass. I'll get there eventually. Um, and um, it's meant to be absolute, like, incredible views. And we were driving, and, and Trevor took us down... We we left this city and he took us on his maps and we had two versions on the maps this day. We had his version and my version and it was a left or a right at a roundabout. And I tell you what, that left that we took caused us absolute grief for the whole day. We went through mountains upon mountain roads, back lanes upon back lanes, no fuel, no food, then it started raining. And I think in the end it got to about nine hours straight riding, a few little stops, but nothing nothing to to stop and have a meal, you know. But at this point we're all soaked wet through, shoes wet, I remember we were getting to the point where we were literally like nigh on, like getting hypothermia, like we were literally, me and Trev looked at each other and we were like, we're going to have to stop if we get, if we don't find this oh, place yeah. soon, we're going to have to stop. Like we can't keep going like this. This is not good. but not right right now. You know, this is pushing it too far. And, um, we end up getting to this little village and we're like, yeah, this is it, dude. Like, we made it. And we get in there, like, nah, that's the next village. And we're like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, so we ended up managing to find one place that served food and literally we had, it was disgusting. Like, the food that looked absolutely horrible. I was like, I don't care. Chicken and rice, chicken and rice, we'll be all right. You know, you can't go too wrong with chicken and rice. And Reed kind of turned veggie when we were in, in Vietnam because she didn't trust the meat. So she's over soy sauce and rice. <laughs> really good diet you can tell oh yeah and trev's like yeah man like i'll eat anything dude like throw me anything like he didn't care about anything so we eat this food and, and we're kind of getting to the end of our day and um it's just starting to get dark well we didn't realize that don van pass was between this village and the next village we thought it was between that village where i booked a hostel and the next place So we leave this place and we're like not expecting anything, you know, special. We've kind of got 13 kilometres or wherever it was in our head just to nail, get down, get to this guest house, get some shut eye. We're shattered, we're wet, we're tired, we're cold, we're everything, you know. Had some food though, so we're a bit better. And um, we start going along this view, and and next minute I have like nowhere. The heavens just opened up, like it was the view just literally became phenomenal. Like I felt like I was an ant in the hills, like it was so big. And then across the like, valley, you could see the Chinese flag standing up. So we knew mm. we were like,
0: right on we the knew it
1: was a Don Van Pass. We knew that we were right on the border of China and Vietnam. And for a split second, the lighting was like starting to get hazy, you know, like just fog, fog coming in. And we were like, yeah, let's take photos now, man. Like, this is sick. Look where we are. Like, out of nowhere, we had this burst of energy. Like, hell yeah, man. Like, look, this is so cool. Like, we were all buzzing and putting our bikes, lining them up at certain angles, trying to pose with our bike photos, mm-hmm. which I'll show you in a bit. And and we are just taking loads of videos and photos. And then out of nowhere, I think we kind of got caught up in the moment so much that we just didn't think about the fact that it was still getting dark and it just seemed to click off like a light switch. It went from us being in the light and kind of having a bit of a buzz to the views that we've seen. We're talking cliff, cliff dropping kind of roads.
0: Yeah, and, and not to to interrupt you, but to pause it, so for people who haven't been on a bike, like you said hypothermia, that's no joke. People literally get hypothermia on bikes. It, they're super dangerous at night on Asian roads with no lights, crazy turns, super dangerous.
1: Crazy locals. yeah. I think you've got, to, you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to be aware of a bike. I definitely advise people that have a license to, to, mm. to get a bike. Anyone that's never ridden a bike before, please get some experience somewhere else because it can definitely cause issues. Um, and many people in Vietnam we met had fallen off bikes. Yeah, yeah. It's so a um, tourist tattoo. Or- oh, yeah, really bad. Really, really bad. And talking about the Don Van Pass, uh, a week after we were there, someone died. Oh! Uh, a, a, I think it was a Chinese tourist um, drove off the side of the mountain and went straight to the bottom. Oh outside. my so God! We were, there's no barriers. We we're talking serious, yeah. Like death right there. Simple as that. Wow. So we're at the top of this mountain and, and the light comes in. And then uh, I remember saying to Trev, I said like, look at those lights. And he was like, what? And I was like, turn off, turn off your bike. Turn off your bike. And he was like, what, man? And I was like, turn it off. Turn, turn your bike off. And he was like, what are you doing? and I was like, Shh. like. So I turned my bike off as well. And I said, turn your lights off. All your lights are from the top, like the summit of this hill. And out of nowhere, it looked like all these little twinkle, little like stars on a Christmas tree, if you like, just twirling around this like roads. But you couldn't see the roads because it was so dark. You could literally just make out like some moving lights, which looked like fairy lights. And it was these little bikes in the complete distance. Like we're talking so far away from us, so, so far away from us. And um, I said to Trevor, I said, let's just, let's just roll down the mountain and don't say anything. And we'll stay next to each other so we can see each other. And we're at the bottom, we'll start our bikes again. And he was like, dude, you're crazy. And I was like, let's do it. (laughs) So we literally just rolled, free rolled with our brakes, just squeaking slowly down this mountain. Not a word said between the three of us. Just looking around at all these lights. And we're passing like seven or eight year olds just on the side of the road Um, walking home and you're like where the hell are you going like you're in the middle of nowhere at this time of night what what the hell are you doing you know and we just free rolled all the way to the bottom and at the bottom we were like that was so sick like that was that that was another memory for the bank that was another one Mm -hmm. you know picture in your head to remember like the india story told you and we, we literally we started our bikes and we carried on we got to the guest house And although we'd had literally what felt like the worst day of travel, to me, I think that probably was the hardest day of my travel last last year, nine months. Like that day broke me. That day was the day that I felt like, why am I doing this? I should be at home. I could be at home, living an easy life, going to the shop or just cooking some microwave food or just doing anything. But what the hell am I doing now? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this pain? This discomfort, you know, making myself this tired, this run down. And that was the day that like, a mental barrier was changed you know like
0: yeah man I mean that's one of the beautiful things about all of this is that it's so easy to be wrapped up in your own shit right like your job your life everything that's going on in, in, in your little world and there are people like yeah there are kids where that, that walk where you're like what are you doing it's like that's their daily that's normal th- that's life yeah
1: that's normal and I, and. Oh.
0: And this this is the craziest thing too is like the more places I go, the more I see that like there are people living like they're completely different worlds from other cultures and places and things like that. And it's all happening (laughs) at the same time in the same place. Like we were talking about, again, like I don't mean to disparage the country that we're in, but a lot of, how do I even say like, the systems and the things are kind of old. Like uh, even like ticketing like you get like facsimile paper like like f- like waxy fax paper and like like the airport looks like it has not been updated since maybe the 1970s and then you go to California and you have people driving self-driving Tesla cars
1: but it works
0: yeah it does work
1: the system works and that I believe is why they've kept it because in mm. England we have all these new systems and half the time they don't work. That's interesting. And these old systems, although they're old to us, these paper tickets, the, these kind of 30 rupee train tickets that get stamped to the destination that you're going on. And they don't even have people on board to check the tickets. Do? Right. They don't have anyone. like In England, people check tickets. don't even have anyone to check tickets here. You get your ticket checked on and off the platform and that is it. No one else bothers you. No one else talks to you. There's a guard on board if you need him. Other than that, job done. Everything is so old done. So, you know, and and that is how all these Asian countries function and work relatively well in these crazy cities like Delhi because it just works. It just happens. But one thing I think that I need to express and I think we both could express more is that travellers are leaving their footprint on Asia massively. Asia is becoming very very much so a popular destination for travelers to start out. So much so that even places like Thailand now aren't even really the, truly the country. Yeah. Even Thailand is now thriving on tourism almost.
0: And they just closed one of the islands I saw the other day for a couple months, yeah. It
1: doesn't surprise me at all. And other countries are going to begin to become like this more and more so. Bali, again, another populated place that seems to be becoming more and more common. Yeah. With not just... The Australian uh, local kind of summer holiday, but now everyone from kind of England to Ireland to even America, um, I feel like there's more countries out there people are ignoring. And I don't know about you, but I'm definitely in pursuit of checking out every country. There is no limit on my list. There is no time frame on my list. I I don't care where I go, how I go, when I go. Um, I've done solo travel this time. I can do it again. But I feel like traveling with somebody that you can connect with is the way forward. That support, that uplift. um, It's not very often you both get down in the rut like we were the other day. But if you travel with a travel buddy that kind of gets hungry when you get hungry, gets tired when you get tired, understands you when you are frustrated or something. If you can find someone like I have, I'm lucky enough to have that, that you can travel with do anything and everything that you possibly can the sky is the limit because I don't think some of these countries should be ignored some some places we were talking about Pakistan earlier mm. I said oh bro how about you go to Pakistan a couple months and you're like Pakistan are you crazy and I was like <laughs> yeah like why not and you were like oh but there's people doing this and there's people doing that and I was like so? like the, there is no limit to this world and, and just because everyone is taking the same route before long these routes have become so kind of touristy that that it's not even the actual country that that you're there for to experience
0: it's a really interesting point because it's something I've talked about before but I I have the perspective of Vietnam just because I've gone there the last three years and Ho Chi Minh City has changed from year to year to year it's more built up there's more skyscrapers they're building a, a high speed rail and there's an interesting comparison like downtown Brooklyn used to look very different and now it's a lot of um sort of like monotonous landscapes that are being built. Like it's all these like glass skyscrapers. And you see that in like KL, like I said, Ho Chi Minh City. And there's more and more places that are sort of I
1: think this is in every city, bro.
0: Yeah, right? And London. And, and this is the thing, it's like Every one of these major cities has a sky bar with, like, literally the name Sky Bar with overpriced <laughs> cocktails. And it's like Amsterdam
1: um, Sky Bar, Frankfurt Sky yeah, Bar.
0: I, so, it, is that the future? In 20 years, is every metropolis gonna look the same and like there's no local cultures? That's something I think about a lot, man.
1: I think all these cities primarily, I'm, I'm actually starting to get to the point where I'll go to a city. But I don't even see myself doing a weekend break somewhere anymore because, oh, well, I'll go to Amsterdam for a weekend. Well, yeah, Amsterdam's an exception. But when you start going to places like I did last month, I went to Frankfurt, really it had nothing to offer. It was just a city like everywhere else. And I kind of felt myself like getting a little bit frustrated. I was a little bit like, why did I plan a weekend to a city? Why? What what possessed me to do that? Mm. So from now on, because I've got the camera... I'm planning trips and I'm, I'm getting out and seeing the country more even if it's my own country I'm not going to be doing these cities half as much I'll get into the city because obviously that's where it's to fly to and it's cheap and I'll rent a car I'll get the train I'll meet a friend I'll find some kind of way to do a road trip or something to see the country more because the countries have more to offer other than these built up cities that they're building literally everywhere like you just said everywhere you know, and they just, look very similar Madrid, Barcelona the list goes on and on and on on oh, no, and no, on no, no. and on, and it's it's not nice to be in. You get the city smog, you get the crappy food, you get the metros that are all rush hour, the sweaty people that that don't wash and and got a crap kind of lifestyle. They look tired. They look drained. No, no one looks happy in a city. Anyone that's living in a city and says you're happy, yeah, you might be, but the lifestyle definitely has an impact on your health long-term, I personally believe. You look at someone in the countryside, their emotion, their expression, the way they're living, then compare that to someone that's living in a city. You were saying from New York, yourself, people, the way they live, the lifestyle, the finances, the money, the stress, the hassle. That's why you're here doing what you're doing right now. Exactly. And I feel like everyone has a breaking point. You know, I'm glad that I don't live in a city. Could I live in one? Yes. Would I want to live in one? I could see why people do for a couple of years. For the experience, maybe for the connections, maybe for work, but not long term.
0: Yeah, and it it just goes back to like what we've been saying and what I've been saying for a while is like the places you go to, you want them to retain their culture. Like that is what makes you want to go there. But you also want people to live, yeah, maybe more comfortably or better lives or, or have more money to be able to pursue the things that they want to do. But does that mean that? They have to sort of put their culture to the side and like adapt to this like sort of like Western standard of work and life, and
1: all of that. I got a good one to throw at you. Okay, here's a curveball. So you've got Africa. Uh huh. And Africa is unique for what safaris, for the way that they live.
0: For travelers, you're saying?
1: Yeah, from a from a traveler point of view, looking at Africa, why to get why go Africa? Oh, well, you got you got your safaris. You can see wild animals kill each other you can um, go and see famous waterfalls in Zimbabwe or Kenya you can meet locals that are doing this right here's a curve pool this is what Asia's been through and is still going through so everyone suddenly goes to Africa because Africa's the new place to be everyone's got to go to Africa yeah let's just say that that's what happens okay and then the money starts getting invested in Africa and the tourism builds up and then those locals get more money do you then blame those locals for them building these big cities? Do you then blame these locals for living in better conditions? Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. You've got money coming in now, but you have to stay poor. You have to stay, you have to stay looking, you know, living and looking and, and eating and drinking bare minimal To suit our tourism needs because that's the attraction to come to your country. Right. Yeah, tourism will affect a country and Asia effectively, that's what's happened. The fact that the country's so beautiful, years ago people came here, there was an attraction, people have followed the same footsteps of everyone else. Now these countries are massively benefit from it and these countries aren't even really the way that they were. And I'm glad, for me personally, that I travelled Asia last year and this year because in a couple of years' time, I honestly believe that it's going to be trashed. And... For me, on my list, an itinerary, my next place uh, uh, I'd like to get a year away with my partner would be to um, South America and Africa and see these places before they get touched, before they get vandalized, before I said to you about Cuba. Look at Cuba, now it's been opened up to America. How long until they perhaps start getting their fingers in different money pots until maybe investments or cars are imported and exported. I want to see these places before they're ruined.
0: Yeah, I don't want to overstate Travel, but I think like everything that we're talking about and pointing to is that, like, again, and I don't know that everybody thinks this consciously about travel, but it's like, how do you fit into that whole sort of ecosystem of, of travel and, and as an outsider into a culture?
1: Um, I think you can respect it. Yeah. I think you can do it economically. I think you, I think you could use local buses and transport. Stay in local guest houses instead of hotels. Why, get biz- why, make, why should businesses benefit from it when locals can? Yeah, help them. Some of them can barely, literally like hand to mouth they're eating most mm. of the time. You know, y- use any kind of sources to stay away from businesses that are benefiting. Help locals live better. Whether it be a piece of clothing on their back. Whether it be an ice lolly a day. Whatever it might be. Help them to live a more comfortable life like we do. Because ultimately, like you said at the start of this conversation, no one gets to choose where they're born. You you are just kind of gifted.
0: So that's over an hour. That's how quick it goes. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would be remiss if we don't touch
1: on? I just feel like um, everyone should reach out and... uh follow their dreams, whether that be, it doesn't mean travel. I just realised that this bucket list that everyone thinks about and says that when you get older, oh, you need a bucket list. Don't wait for that bucket list because things can change at any moment, any time. No one is given the next day. I realise that more this year, more than ever before with my family and how they've been affected this year. And I truly believe that if you have things that you want to see do and happen, whether it be take a loved one away on holiday, which I'll be doing next year with my gran. Anything that I can or will do, I will do it as soon as possible. Don't hold for that day because in 20, 30, 40 years when you're tired, you might not be able to walk that hike that you wanted to do. You might not be able to have that opportunity to do that dance lesson or whatever it might be. If there's something that you feel like you need and want to do, don't hold back for that right moment because there might not be a right moment ever. Just do whatever you need to do now. And if you get the chance to do it again, amazing. Be thankful of it because some people don't ever get the chance to do things like that.
0: Beautiful, um, Callum. How can people get a hold of you, find you, see your photography?
1: Um, so on uh, Facebook, I'm under the name of Callum Thompson, and uh, on Instagram, again, I'm under the name of Callum Thompson underscore UK, um, and I'm also on Travel Library, which is a very new travel app trending, um, and you can get me there as well at Callum Thompson. Um, that's C-A-L-L-U-M-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N and if anyone wants any advice or any travel tips or um, anything else then I, I welcome people to give me a message um, inbox me and if I can help you in any way or if I inspire you in any way then um, then yeah give me, give me a follow or give me a message
0: and as always you can check the show notes for this episode and all of those things that Callum just mentioned uh, I'll have links for that for you so that you can find him Thank you, brother. It's uh, It's been cool and it's good to know you, man.
1: Likewise. Thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed the experience.
0: That does it. This has been another episode of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Please check the show notes for this episode to find links to find Callum, to find links for the Patreon, and to find links for my contact information. Until next time, folks, as always...